Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, a podcast for health and wellness practitioners passionately committed to transforming our current broken disease-focused system. Your host, Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo, is devoted to helping you get results with complex health challenges like autoimmune, hormonal imbalances, and chronic health challenges caused by nutritional and lifestyle-induced imbalances. Here's your host, Dr. Rita Marie. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference. Over the last eight or 10 episodes, I've lost track. We have been talking about thyroid health and we have covered all sorts of conditions related to thyroid health. We've covered Hashimoto's and Graves' disease on the autoimmune side. We've covered thyroid resistance. We've covered problems with converting from T4 to T3. We've covered the connection with insulin resistance. So if you missed any of those episodes, I highly recommend that you go back and listen in. Today, though, we're going to turn it back around and answer some of the most common questions that I get when I'm working with clients, whether it's one-on-one in some of our programs, our high-end programs, or through our Facebook Lives and our group coaching programs. I get a lot of these questions, and I just want to make sure we don't miss anything that's going to help you to help people get and stay well. So one of the things that I hear from people is, are there foods that are particularly bad for the thyroid? Well, we had a whole episode on foods and herbs that support thyroid function. And I just want to reiterate with you that it's super important when you're dealing with somebody with thyroid condition and other conditions too, by the way, that you look at their diet from the perspective of what can be hurting the thyroid function? What could be hurting the gland itself, but also what can be hurting the operation of the gland and interfering? And the top three foods, if I could pick three foods that I think hurt the thyroid the most are gluten, dairy, and sugar. Yeah, there are others and there's chemicals and preservatives in processed foods, but those three hurt the thyroid the most. You may have heard that soy is really bad for thyroid. Not necessarily. It's usually soy is a problem for people with thyroid function if they're low in iodine because the goitrogens in the soy can interfere with the uptake of the iodine and the helping of the making of thyroid. The other thing that you might hear a lot about is brassicas. What about brassicas? We talk a lot about brassicas, the broccoli and the kale and cauliflower and cabbage and all the great things that they do for the system. But a lot of people talk about, oh, you can't eat those if you have thyroid problems. That's one of the biggest misunderstandings around. There are some studies that show if you isolate the isothiocyanate, which can be contraindicated for thyroid problems, and which can interfere with the uptake of iodine, then you see sometimes people have lower thyroid function. But to get that from raw brassicas takes a lot of it. Now, if you have somebody who's drinking a gallon of cabbage juice or kale juice every day, yeah, absolutely, you can interfere. There's always an upper limit. But don't let people get scared away from eating brassicas because they're one of the healthiest foods in there. What I recommend is that what you do is you watch and see. When they eat these foods, do their thyroid symptoms get worse? Is it dose dependent? Can they eat just a little bit? So 
Let's talk about some of the other questions I have. Again, why do I have thyroid symptoms and the doctor says everything is normal? When they ask you this, what are you going to say? You probably know this by now. Your doctor isn't testing everything that needs to be tested. Your doctor's just testing TSH. And if it's high, they're going to tell you you have a thyroid problem. But they're not testing the total T4, the free T4, and the ratio between them. They're not testing the free T3 and the ratio between free T3 and free T4. They're not testing to see if you have low vitamin A or high homocysteine to see if you have receptor issues. So you need to be getting a high level of testing done if you really want to make sure that the person is getting the right stuff looked at so that they can take the right actions. So they may ask you, what can I do if I ask the doctor to order these tests, but they won't? Well, in the US, there are what's called direct access lab companies. And there's a few of them. I have an arrangement with one called Your Lab Work. Runmylabs.com is a page I set up there, which is some of my favorite panels. Very cost effective. Problem is you can't do it outside of the US, but also in New York, Rhode Island, and a couple of other states. And there's always a change to it, so you have to look that up. But New York is especially strict and doesn't allow people to directly access their own labs. Why? Not a good idea, but that's the way it goes. But you can get them to go to any of these labs, direct labs, any lab can, runmylabs.com, which is your lab work, and you can have them order these tests on their own. You just have to give them the recommendations. So what do I do if my thyroid's been removed? I get this all the time. You know, I have my thyroid removed and I'm on medication. Can I ever get off that medication? No, <laughs> because you're, you've removed a gland that's producing it. But what if you're not on the right medication to replace it? Generally speaking, when someone has their thyroid removed, it's because it's either cancerous, they have Graves' disease, and it's overproducing thyroid hormone, and they're going into thyroid storm, and it's life-threatening, and they take it out, or there's nodules on it. Or sometimes it's just that there's a family history of these things and the doctors just remove it because the person's having some issues. If the thyroid's removed, yeah, you need to be replacing it. But is T4 alone the best thing for them to take? Absolutely not. T4 alone is not the best thing for them to take. Synthetic T4, by the way. So you really have to look at working with them to get a functional doctor that's going to order more of a bioidentical thyroid hormone replacement. So can I stop my meds? A lot of people ask me this all the time. If you've had your thyroid removed, no, you can't stop your meds. If you have not had your thyroid removed and you correct all the underlying problems and imbalances, absolutely, I've seen people get off of their medications. It does take work. And one of the things that you need to be doing as a practitioner is helping to motivate and inspire people to take the right actions in order to reverse their thyroid conditions. I've seen people, once they get their insulin levels under control and reverse their insulin resistance, their thyroid symptoms improve. But it requires elimination diets, getting them off of the food sensitivities. It requires addressing the stress levels and getting people into mindfulness practices. It takes getting people sleeping. It takes the movement. It takes all of the things that they need to do to clean up their act. And when they do, 
chances are that they can get off the medication. It just depends on how long the problem's been going on, how much of the thyroid has been destroyed. But I've absolutely seen it. Even the worst case was person who had been on thyroid medication for 50 years plus and had been told she had Hashimoto's, she was able to go off it at age 66. She was able to go off her thyroid medication. It does happen. It requires you explaining to people the importance of this. And I do want to emphasize as a practitioner, you need to be firm with people. A lot of practitioners are afraid to be firm with people. They're afraid to say, well, if you do this, maybe it'll get better. But if you don't do this, it's only going to get worse. We have to give people all of the information they need to inspire and motivate them to take action. If we say, oh, it'd be a good idea to get off of gluten, especially if they have Hashimoto's, that's a bad way to approach it. I tell people, you have an autoimmune disease. And I can't help you unless you're willing to go off of gluten, go off of sugar, get your blood sugar under control, go off of dairy, at least to double check to make sure you're not sensitive to it. And if you are going to eat dairy, it has to be organic, pasture-raised animals, and fermented and raw. All of those things have to be in place. So we have to be able to tell people what they need to do to get their thyroid function back. People ask me, can the autoimmune diseases be reversed? Can Graves or Hashimoto's? Absolutely, they can be reversed or at least put into remission. We know lots of people that have. During this series on thyroid, we spoke to Dr. Eric Orsonsky, who reversed his Graves disease, or at least put it in remission, if you want to use the proper terminology, using diet and lifestyle and herbs. We talked to Dr. Isabella Wentz, who reversed her own Hashimoto's and keeps it under control. But she'll have a flare if she were to go back and start eating pizza and get stressed out and not sleeping. That doesn't mean it's not reversed. That just means that you went back and put the same symptoms in place. When people say to me, oh, well, if you just go back and eat these things again, you're, it's going to come back. Therefore, it's not reversed. I always say to them, if you fall down a flight of stairs and you break your leg, and then you do whatever it takes, the casting and all that, to rehab it, and your leg repairs itself. And then you fall down the stairs again and break it again. Does that mean that you didn't repair it in the first place? No, it means you just went back into the circumstances that caused the problem. Same thing with thyroid. If we go back into the circumstances, the lifestyle, the dietary things that caused the problem in the first place, of course, it's going to come back. That's the way the body works. You remove the things that are hurting it. If you had a headache because you're banging yourself over the head with a hammer and you stopped banging yourself over the head with a hammer and your headaches went away, that's a pretty good thing. You remove the root cause. And what if you started banging yourself over the head with the hammer again? The headaches had come back. Doesn't mean you didn't help it and reverse it it means that you put yourself back into that situation. I'll cover a few more questions that I get oftentimes from practitioners. I hear people say, well, when do I order a reverse T3? I hardly ever order a reverse T3. It's usually when I can't figure it out from the rest of the situation. Usually if I have somebody who has low free T3 and reasonably good T4, and it doesn't look like they're converting, 
then I just assume that their reverse T3 is going to be high. And then we go about all the things to get them out of cell danger response, get them to the point where their body is handling the stress better, get them to the point where they're eating better. And if I'm still not seeing results, I may get the reverse T3, see if there's some reason that that's going on. Another question I get, especially when I talk a lot about the insulin, the high insulin levels and how that affects the thyroid is, how do I test that? Just test a fasting insulin. It's a test that most doctors won't test unless you're already diabetic and they think you're out of control. They usually are looking for low levels of insulin. And here's the thing, you wanna look at the functional ranges. The lab range says insulin can be as high as 19 or 20 and still be considered normal. That is so far from normal, it's not even funny. Ideally, it needs to be below five, even better, two to three. Insulin levels can be tested. You just do it first thing in the morning. If you suspect because the insulin levels are low then that they're not making enough, then I would do what's called a postprandial insulin. You have them go to the car, you test the fasting, you have them go out to their car, eat a meal, the highest carbohydrate meal they would normally eat, and then go back in 45 minutes later and get it tested again. If it doesn't go up, then I would suspect pancreatic failure or we want to look for antibodies against the pancreatic beta cells. What are some other things? How do I learn to interpret all these findings? That's a great question. Within our nutritional endocrinology practitioner training, we have a whole module on understanding all the lab findings. We have another module on advanced blood sugar testing. And we have another module on advanced immune testing, cardiac testing, etc. You need to study it. You need to learn from somebody who has been studying it for a long time, understands the functional ranges, and understands how to look at markers in relationship to each other, not just in relationship to what the lab says are normal. The other thing I want to ask, I get asked all the time, well, what if we just address the diet? We just address the supplements. We look at the herbs and the nutrients that you talk about. What if we do all of that and it's not working? I would say you do need to look at all the other lifestyle factors. You need to look at the stress levels. It's so, so important, especially in thyroid function. You need to be looking at how much sleep they're getting. Sleep, lack thereof, can contribute to insulin resistance. And we know that insulin resistance contributes to thyroid problems, persistent thyroid problems that are not going to go away. We need to look at their movement. We need to look at their metabolic rate. One of the best ways to improve the metabolic rate at the cellular level is by specific kinds of movements. And in our episode with Dr. Wilson, we talked about a specific exercise called faster size. Go back and look at that. It's an easy one for people to do. And I've been teaching it to lots of people and they are thrilled with the results. And finally, are there other hormones that interact with the thyroid? We talked about insulin. Well, adrenals, we've talked about that in one of the episodes. Adrenals affect it hugely. High levels or low levels of cortisol affect the conversion from T4 to T3, affect the receptors, affect the inflammation in the system. So we need to look at that. What about sex hormones? 
Well, we know that high levels of estrogen, as in birth control pills or hormone replacement therapy at menopause, will cause an increase in thyroid binding globulin, which effectively causes too much bound thyroid hormones and not enough free. And we know that the free is the active. So sex hormones may play a huge difference. Somebody's taking testosterone therapy, that actually makes less of the thyroid binding globulin, which causes it effectively to have more free thyroid hormones, which can cause what looks like a hyperthyroid situation. And finally, the question I want to address is, how do I know if the TSH is elevated because the pituitary is producing it and the thyroid's not responding, as in hypothyroidism, or if the pituitary is just producing it willy-nilly, if there's an adenoma on the pituitary, if there's some problem that's causing excess pituitary secretion. There's a number of ways that you can do this. But one, the most obvious way, is you look at the ratios between the TSH, the T4, and the T3. If it's a hypothyroid situation, you're going to see an elevation in T3. You're going to see that T4 and the T3 be lower or even sometimes normal in the early stages. If there's a problem and the pituitary is hypersecreting TSH, what you're going to see is you're going to see an elevation in those T4 and T3 enzyme, one or the other, or both. We shouldn't see that unless there's a hyperthyroid situation. So when the numbers are coming out and it's not what you're expecting, that's when we suspect that there may be some issue with the pituitary or the thyroid. So this has been my joy, my pleasure to bring to you these experts and myself talking to you about thyroid health. Thyroid health is so important to get us under control. Metabolic recovery is a super important thing for us to be looking at on an ongoing basis in all the people that we see. And the most important hormones related to our metabolic health and our metabolic recovery are thyroid and insulin. And we know from the studies that were done first, there was a report in 2018 and then again in 2022 that said that first 88% of the population is metabolically unwell. And if that's not enough, we find that in 2022, 92% of the population is metabolically unwell. This is what you're going to see in your practices all the time. You have to become experts at solving these problems. So enjoy all the episodes on the reInvent Healthcare thyroid topic. If you go to reinventhealthcare.com forward slash thyroid, you'll see the latest episode and then you'll see our book that we're giving you as a free gift. And then just look at the themes related to thyroid and watch them, listen to them, become your own best expert. You are in the position where you can help people to truly heal from these conditions, to truly get their lives back, to get their energy back, to get their metabolic health back. You have the ability to do that. You just have to do something different than the standard allopathic approach. You need to be looking deeply for the root causes. You need to be connecting with people on a deep level so that they gain your trust or you gain their trust 
and both of it, you create a relationship and they're going to do the things you recommend doing because they know that you care and they know that you know what you're talking about. And if you feel like you don't have the skills, you've been trained in the Western medical model and you're like, how do I learn this stuff in detail? Go to ionymethod.com and check out our resources there. We'd be happy to chat with you and show you how you can get those skill sets up to speed. Do this, love on your patients, come from a place of kindness and caring, help them to get their diet changed, help them with their lifestyle changes, do the right testing, and you're going to get results with these people, and they are going to love you for it because they've been suffering for so long and getting a runaround. So until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to Reinvent Healthcare. We are part of the movement to change healthcare for the better. If you liked this episode, leave a rating and a review. And for more resources to support you in growing a thriving and fulfilling practice, visit our website at inemethod.com.